The following is a conversation I had with Dr. Dave Kennedy. We discussed the Pennsylvania State Championship, the origins and background of the Shippensburg University Chess Club, Dr. Kennedy's role as the advisor, trips with the chess club, and much more. We ended up talking for about an hour and 40 minutes, so I split the conversation into two parts. Hopefully, you find the following conversation insightful and entertaining. Welcome to the Shippensburg University Chess Club Podcast. I'm Nathan, the current president of the Chess Club, and today I have with me Dr. Dave Kennedy, a professor of mathematics at the university. Doc, how are you doing? Good. Glad to be here on your historic first podcast. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so most, I don't know, potently, uh, States is coming up in under a month. Uh, we participate in an often and there's the college prizes we usually do well in those right yeah we we've got a a good history we've won states a few different times the last time we were there it was march of 2020 and like going to states was the last thing we did before the world shut down so this is actually the first states in three years it's going to be kind of exciting to see who all comes back this time yeah for some context we are in pennsylvania shippensburg is in pennsylvania <laughs> um and uh yeah we we won the first place college prize um i don't know like how many times i guess the last i guess well firstly when was the first time that that you know that shippensburg went to states we we went now there there was a chess club at the university here in the 80s and i don't know if they ever went to states <laughs> as a club but in the modern era, I'll call it. Uh, we started in 2012. That was our first time right. there. And we had some beginner's luck and won a, a narrow victory over Pitt and Penn State. And I forget how many other schools were there. Kind of an exciting one. Oh, okay. So wait, how many other colleges usually show up? It varies. Um, not very many, though. I've noticed that in in college chess subculture, like if you can get a team organized and together and coordinated enough to show up all of the same place at the same time, you've got a big advantage because most schools can't accomplish that. So we've had years when we went and there were only a couple of teams there. Um, or sometimes there'll be like just an individual from one school or one or two people, but not enough to really have a critical mass and score well as a team. But then, you know, there have been times where there are as many as probably like five, five or six teams, I think is the most I can remember competing against there. Yeah. So like a lot of teams might be only like two people or three people, and but we have like strength in numbers. We had like what was the biggest team that well, we brought? And and a little background is that it helps to have numbers because at the states there's a an open division, an under eighteen hundred and an under fourteen hundred. So the high, medium, and low. And your college can send players there and all their points, everyone plays in whatever bracket is appropriate for them, but no matter which bracket they're in, their points count the same. It's just who are your top four scorers, wherever they were and add those points up and that's your team score. So if we put more people out there, you know, who who have a chance of winning some games, that's more of a chance that they'll be one of our four high scorers and you kind of get rewarded for for being a larger team. Yeah. And that's yeah, I definitely appreciate how um rating won't really affect like it doesn't matter if a team brings three people that are that are like over 2000 in the open section, they still might not win the top college prize. 
Right, because they'll be playing such tough opponents. And that's happened before. That's actually helped us beat teams who had higher rated people than us in the past. And still in in the lower bracket under 1400, you're still better off if you've got some 1200s and 1300s, not all 400s or something, right? I mean, you, to yeah. win some points, you got to win some points somewhere, but. So yeah. wait, you said it was 2016 that was the first time you went. 2012. 2012. And so out of all the times that we went, how many times did we not win? I've, ever since you went, I guess. Yeah, I can remember losing to Duquesne a time or two. Uh, I know there was another team that beat us. The thing is, I don't remember the opponents real clearly because we're there every year. Yeah. But other schools come and go. Like, they'll have a two-year heyday where they come to states and they're all <laughs> gung-ho, and then they're never seen again. And then a different college will show up the next time. So I think it probably depends on who was at the college at that time. They got some excitement going and got a team together, and they went, you know, one or two or three years in a row. And then they sort of faded out again. One One thing I'm proud of is that we've actually maintained – a club and a presence there so you know if you look back at the history we're there every year whether we came in first or not you know we don't always win but we've we've been pretty consistent so 2012 is the first time you guys went well when you've been okay for some context i've i'm a sophomore year um and so i got a couple more years ahead of me but i haven't been here for that long so the first time um you went with the club as far um as we know i guess i don't know why i'm saying that but um, it was 2012, but when did you start teaching at SHIP and everything? Okay, yeah, I came to Shippensburg in 2005. 2005. So I had been here a while when I was walking by the Fishbowl Lounge downstairs in our build- same building where our math department is, and the same lounge where we have our weekly chess club meetings every, every Friday afternoon at 3.30. I was walking past, and I just noticed people playing chess in there, so I kind of wandered in because I was a chess, <laughs> a chess junkie myself. And there was a small group of students who had formed a club and had been meeting regularly for a few weeks at least. I don't know exactly how long, maybe even a little bit longer than that. And they had, you know, to be a club at our school, you have to have a faculty advisor. And they had an advisor who agreed to let them put his name on their paperwork so they could be a club. But he didn't actually play chess himself or wasn't interested in going, so he didn't attend. And uh, I, I started dropping by once I learned that they met on Friday. A time, by the way, that stuck with us for a, a decade running now. That it's, is wild. It's kind of traditional. But, uh, and, and, you know, they saw that I was interested in chess, and we started talking, and, and we had this funny um, meeting because when I first played them, I won all my games, and they thought I was this unbeatable grandmaster, and I kept telling them, like, no, you know, I'm not actually going to win all the time. And eventually someone beat me, and then they realized, okay, good, he's human. But... Uh, they asked me to be the advisor for the club then, and, and I have been since then. So I guess for the last 12 years, maybe, it's been me as the advisor. Ah, 2005. And so it took... Okay, okay. So, like, so take me through, like, was, when did you first go to a tournament with the chess club? It, I'm guessing when I became the advisor, it was probably 2010... Give or take. I'm, I'm, I would guess 2000. That's wild. Wait, you're telling me you were, there was like five years where you weren't the advisor? You just showed up? No, no. There were five years where I don't think there was even a club. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. And then maybe in 2009 or 2010, okay. this core of students got the club going. And then I discovered them <laughs> and, you know, came upon them and, and joined in. Oh. And so we went, I remember we went to a, a quad tournament in Eastern PA. Oh, no way. In probably, I'd have to look, I could look this up online, but maybe 2011-ish. 
And for me, that was my coming out of retirement because I played, boy, we have time for the long version of the story. Here. Yeah, we do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I taught for 12 years at Glenville State College in central West Virginia. And there I helped start a chess club. And, but then we were active like from 1996 through 2002 or so. But then we had, my wife and I had young children and I was so busy between the job and babies at home that I didn't go to tournaments after a while. So I think if you looked at my tournament history, you would see that I went to some tournaments in the late 90s and maybe 2001, 2002, somewhere in there. I just quit cold turkey and there's a 10-year gap in my record where I wasn't seen at a tournament. And then when we moved, here we were now in Pennsylvania and this chess club exists at the university. And I kind of came out of retirement and went to my first tournament in a decade, this quads we went to in Eastern PA. And uh, it was fun. And, and our president at the time, this guy, Nick Peterson, who I give all the credit in the world for reviving a chess club at Shippensburg, he want, you know, he, that was his goal. He was like, I want to go to tournaments. Let's go check out some tournaments. So we, I did some research online and found out about states which wasn't real easy to find out about there. It wasn't a big deal. It happens during the state scholastic tournament, which is big. There would be 700 kids there. But the college thing was in the background kind of low key. But I, I was able to find, okay, here's a tournament that accepts college teams. Let's go to that one. Because it's really hard to find college tournaments. As you know, we sometimes have to go all the way up to Syracuse, yeah. New York to find the second closest one. Yeah, absolutely. Just like any tournament that involves like college prizes, it's like hard to find. And it is so true that, like, there is, like, so little advertising. Like, to, to, I want, like, I, like, this year I wanted to find out about states as early as possible. And I was, like, every, like, week, I would be, at least once a week, I would be, like, trying to search what, into the depths of the Internet to find information on it. Um, and so, well, firstly, why did the West, Glenville State University, right? So why did they become inactive? Was just not enough students? Um, well, they, they had never had a chess club as far as I know. And it was 1996. I looked up what year that was when Gary Kasparov played deep blue in this famous man versus machine <laughs> tournament. And I was so interested. I would just get updates and post them on a, write up a handwritten note and tape it outside my door on like, here's what happened in game one. Here's what happened in game two. And, and another person or two wandered by and would actually read these reports I was putting up there. And so we kind of connected as people who are both interested in chess and we formed a club and, and we would usually have, you know, two or three students. And then I think we maybe grew to where we had four or five students at the most, but, but that core of people would meet each week and uh, chess club meetings were in my office. I had a, a much bigger office in Glenville, but you couldn't do that in my office now, especially when it's so full of junk. But, uh, and then we got interested in going to some tournaments. And so we did. We went to a few tournaments. I still remember one of the first tournaments we went to, a student I had named Jay Kearns played against an IM. <laughs> he was underrated, but he played against Emery Tate. And you can look up... Whoa, wait! Emery Tate? <laughs> <laughs> when you see his name on games, right? He's oh, my books and stuff. oh, my gosh. Like, he is... Um, and also, like, famously, I, I um, this is very embarrassing if I'm wrong, he is the father of Andrew Tate, who is, like, a very controversial figure. Um, uh, yes, I noticed yeah. that lately. <laughs> but Emery Tate, you know, was just this great chess player, and it, we were jealous that 
this one guy, we were all unrated, but Jay got just the way the pairings went in round one of a Swiss. Somehow they paired up Jay Kearns against Emery Tate. So he has somewhere he's got like this recorded notation of this game against an international yeah. master. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and then, so Nick, is it P- Penderson? Peterson. Peterson. So he he's really excited and like active or like really is actively talking about going to tournaments. But it sounds like you did the research and like the planning behind it. Is that accurate? Yeah, I guess I guess so. Um, I, you know, having been a chess club advisor in West Virginia, I had a little bit of experience and, you know, a small group of us went to a few tournaments. So I knew how to do that. And when he said he wanted to go to tournaments, I sort of had schema for that. I knew how to, you know, find out about tournaments and that, that there was this USCF that had a website that lists upcoming tournaments. And so that was how I probably helped us find those quads in in eastern pennsylvania and then the state meet which if anyone is googling the state meet i think the full name these days is the ira lee riddle memorials yeah i believe so um, yeah which yeah. is an open tournament and the college players within the open tournament get scored as college teams but meanwhile there's like 70 year old guys in there playing as well just all in the same field yeah i think i think that's a cool aspect to it because i guess college chess is like too niche for it to have its own specific tournaments for the most part. And so they kind of have to exactly. um, you know, involve uh, people outside of college. And if you think about it, the tournament is fairer the more people that are in it. Like just open people from the open playing public, the more of them in there, you know, if, if one team has someone who's higher than a lot of other people, you need people to fill the space in between or else <laughs> they're just two people in a row in the standings and it yeah. wouldn't be quite so, and, so fair. Yeah, it's definitely more exciting that way. Um, so you played a pretty pivotal role in like planning and organizing and also just with traveling, like a lot of things like under like your name and it like, it looks like you take, you have taken like a lot of initiative and like, has that, has always always been like that when it sounds like. I, I think so. And, and part of it is that I'm just a big travel fan. I travel any <laughs> chance I get. And so chess tournaments are a way to travel, at least locally or, you know, we started small and, and we'll probably get to talking about some of the bigger things that we did. But always there had to be some students who were excited to help catalyze that thing, because I wouldn't just come in on my own and plan a big trip if I wasn't sure anyone wanted to go. But here I had the Shippensburg Chess Club saying, we want to go to tournaments. So I'm like, all right, we can make that happen. And then some years later in, I, I think maybe 2015, I got this email out of the blue from Hungary inviting the Shippensburg team to come play in a tournament. And at first I thought, okay, it's not spam because they actually addressed it to me, but they probably don't know quite who they're, talking to here they had found we had a small web presence i think we had gotten a few articles from like local newspapers that also put it on the on the internet and they had somehow found us and invited us out of the blue so i i got this invitation but i wasn't assuming we would actually go and our our chess club president at the time anthony was uh in on it i told him about this email i got and he was very interested he he just jumped right in with a can-do attitude and uh i still remember him as we were talking about it, at one point he said, besides, it's freaking Hungary. So <laughs> we kind of reached a point where, where we said, okay, I'll go if you'll go. And 
once there were two of us, then the other, a few of the other chess club members got in on it. And we ended up applying to the Student Government Association here at Chippensburg and getting some nice funding that helped us afford to make that trip happen. And we went and played in a tournament in Budapest and uh, got to see how European tournaments are so great in a lot of ways compared to the U.S. <laughs> tournaments. I've, I've been a snob ever since because in, in most of the European tournaments, you get one game per day. So our games in Hungary, I think maybe started 4.30 p.m. So, okay, you got to wake up, eat breakfast, do your sightseeing around Budapest, which is a wonderful city, very affordable city. <laughs> and then as the afternoon wears on, you realize you've got a chess game to play. So you get ready for that and play your game. Then there'd be time in the evening to analyze it. You know, we'd share each other's games and see what happened. And uh, just a nice pacing and and it was a nine round tournament, <laughs> so it took ten days yeah. because there was a rest day. In oh the my middle. gosh! Man. And if you look at a map, you'll see that when when I started thinking, okay, what could we do on our rest day? The answer was, let's go to Vienna, Austria, because we can just hop a train <laughs> for two and a half hours oh, and get man. over to over there. And and we did, and stayed overnight in Vienna, and then came back to resume our tournament the next day back in Budapest. It's just so great because, as you know, the tournaments in the U.S tend to have you playing a lot of like three games on Saturday, two <laughs> yeah. games on Sunday, and it's just exhausting. And, you know, you can do it, but uh, especially the older I get, the more I crave a tournament, more like the ones they have in Europe where it's just more leisurely. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, the, the one game a day, that just sounds so enjoyable. It's just the, everything you just described, like I can like imagine the serenity. But, <laughs> but like, so did you know, like, did you find out if they invited like other people, other colleges from the U.S. or like it seems kind of random? Great question. I'm not sure. You, they probably invited some others. They wouldn't have singled us out. Yeah, but, I can't imagine. But we were the only ones who actually took them up on it. That's because wild. There, there were hardly any Americans there. I remember there was this one Canadian guy there named Michael who we kind of made friends with. He spoke English. A lot of the players didn't. There, there were a lot of the typical player in that tournament was a seventy-something. Hungarian gentleman <laughs> who maybe caught chest fever like the rest of the world in the early 70s when there was the Fischer-Spassky matches and didn't speak English necessarily. But I really discovered how chess is a universal language, right? Because I could sit down with someone who didn't speak a word of English and we both know the rules of the game and we can both play chess and kind of, you know, be thinking the same thoughts about the game. And and uh, and then you probably had like postmortems with them. And are you right? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, certain games, especially we would we would talk about afterwards, like the one where I made the 12 year old Hungarian boy cry <laughs> by escaping with a stalemate when I was down <laughs> no, a rook and two pawns to a rook. <laughs> and, uh, Oh, it was, it was a great tournament. One day, um, Benko wandered in through the hall and he was just visiting. He's, he's Hungarian. And he wow. Oh yeah. yeah wow. That's crazy. And, and, uh, so I got to meet him and, and uh, Jacob, one of the guys who was on our trip, met him first and I, I made him promise to introduce me. <laughs> so I got to say hi to, to Benko on his way through. What do you even say? Just like, I kind of, yeah, probably just mumbled something forgettable about nice <laughs> yeah, to meet you. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And this, this is also, is this where you also play against in the Simul? The Simul was our next trip. So, so once we did the Hungary trip and it was successful and everyone said, wow, that was a great experience. We, we started thinking in terms of making it an annual tradition for our chess club to do a big trip like that, uh, an international trip. So the next year we did one in Spain in outside of Barcelona, the town oh, okay. is Sitges and the Sunway Sitges chess tournament has actually gotten bigger and bigger. And you hear more about it now. It's, it was such a good idea. 
it was just growing out of control. And now a lot of the well-known chess players, I think, try to go. Oh, yeah. Way. I think most recently, I remember uh, hearing that Hans Lehmann played in it. I think um, probably so. Yeah. So it's at this, if it's still in the same place, the Sunway Hotel is right there on the coast of the Mediterranean. And our hotel rooms had balconies where we could look out through the palm trees over the golf course and see the blue water out there. And again, one game per day, most of the days. And they had a real festival going on. So there would be like cardboard cutout photos of famous chess people in the lobby and um, a simul. We got to play in a simul with Awander Liang, who's, yeah. <laughs> who's become even a better player since then. But he was pretty good back then. When he was like 12, 13 or something? Or... I think so. This probably would have been nine, uh, 2016. So however okay. the math would right, have Maybe 14 or okay. I don't know. I actually don't know how old he is. So now that I think about it. I, yeah. He, he, I, my memory is he was maybe 13 or, or 14 <laughs> or something. Man. Yeah, that's cool. That's but, cool. But one of our players... Jacob Painter can always boast that he has a draw against a Wonderland from that simul. Oh, man. Yeah, that's crazy. And so Jacob was... Okay, so first there was Nick um, Peterson. and um, But then later there was also Clay and Jacob. And so... But, but uh, Clay would have been there when Nick was there, right? There was some overlap there, yeah. Okay. I, I think. <laughs> a little bit. But yeah. Nick... And and some of his friends and other people from his club were in that original club that I knew. And then along came Clay, who everybody calls Austin, and he was a better player than any of us. He was already, I think, in the 1700s when we first met him as a, a Shippensburg freshman. And uh, that was a great thing for me because I can teach most of the club members. You know, if, as long as I know more about chess than they do, I can help them improve. <laughs> but he was able to help me improve and our highest rated players could could always pick Clay's brain and learn more from him and which is a real luxury for a chess club to have and and he maybe bridged the gap i think i asked him about nick peterson and i wasn't sure that they quite overlapped as much as i thought they did but clay was still here he he did his undergrad here and then stuck around and got his masters at our business school part time so he was here for several more years after so he overlapped with Anthony, who I've mentioned, and Jacob, who I've mentioned, and um, the, the crew who went to Hungary. Yeah. And he went on, on all, all the big trips with us. He went to Spain with us as well. Yeah. And, and uh, for a while, would be able to come to our meetings. But then after COVID hit, we, we didn't have the alumni presence that we did for a while. And I, that's one of my goals, I think, is to get back to having some of our especially if they're still in the area. Some of our recent graduates who are rated, you know, up pushing towards 2000, think what a resource that is. They, they have encyclopedic knowledges of openings and there's just lots of things, lots of things we could uh, learn from them. Yeah. Like that's like, I, I mentioned them because like, I think they have been like very pivotal for the club and like in all the travels, it's always, you know, uh, you know, Clay, Jacob, Anthony, like they're all there. They're all there. And like, I feel like in like, in all like the, the most recorded, like, memorable moments, I feel like they, they, they have been a part of that. Um, and, yeah, honestly, when you mentioned that as, like, a goal, when I saw that in the notes, I was just like, oh, I didn't, that didn't even cross my mind. Um, and I, I think they, they, they probably want to. I, or, I don't know. They're probably willing to yeah, stop well, by the club more often. I think it's just if matter they're of asking. out there listening, we'll have to have them reach out. No, I'm, I'm, I know where to find them, and we'll, <laughs> we'll see them at States this year, for example. 
but sometimes if the problem is if people get older and get real jobs, day jobs, they can't always come by at the time that our club needs. Yeah, but, families too. Mm-hmm, <laughs> all this stuff uh, works against us in that regard. So chess has sometimes been an excuse to travel. Chess is also like, um, sounds like you met a lot of people through it. But like, what can you say to like, about like what has chess what has chess meant to you yeah it has been those things and it's i think it's fun because you realize the older you get that it's hard staying in touch with people you used to know doesn't automatically happen it's you know you think you will you intend to but years later how many people from your high school class do you really talk to anymore and ditto for your college class but chess, because of this thing called chess tournaments, there are these natural gathering points where we can still like go to states and say, oh, Jacob's going to be there, Clay's going to be there, Anthony's going to be there. And um, it, it gives us a chance to uh, kind of make sure it gives, it gives staying in touch a nudge, I guess I would say. So it's really valuable to uh, know that there are people you might see as long as you choose to keep going to tournaments. Yeah, definitely. I feel like for some reason, like it's kind of weird how humans work. We often need excuses for a lot of things. And people will say like, oh yeah, we'll do this, we'll do that. But like, never really happens. But like, definitely like chess is definitely one of the avenues that like makes things happen. And uh, I've definitely hung out with a lot of people because there was a chess tournament that I really wanted to go to. Um, I, I, I think for me, uh, it's definitely like a really big competitive outlet. Like I, oh man, I'm like, I love competition. Like I, 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 I you know, like, like a chess definitely fulfills it. It's like a roller coaster of emotion. It is like, and like at the last tournament I was at in the Northern Virginia Open in Dulles, um, I was like in my like second round game. I could not actually. I think it was my third round. No, no, I think it was my second. My second round game. I could not stop smiling. I was having like because I, I I had these. I was up a pawn. I had two connected pass pawns. I thought it was going to be an easy win from there. But then it was just like, but, but then he just started a big attack on me. And I just, I thought that was like the crazy, I don't know. I just couldn't stop smiling. I was enjoying it so much. <laughs> and I love competition. And that's like, that's why I'm really into like table tennis as well. That's why I'm thinking about going to do other competitive things. Cause like, oh man, that like, that like drive. For like, and that roller coaster of emotion that comes along with it. I think you've reminded me of something I like about chess too, because in the heat of competition, there's something about chess that's different from other types of competition where I've had that experience where the game is just so interesting. My mind goes to a whole nother world or a whole nother dimension for a few hours. and, And even after it's over, I've had the experience of just, you know, honestly saying to my opponent, good game, that was really interesting. That was so fun, so interesting. And then, for example, as a football fan, if my team I'm rooting for loses, there's nothing good about that. I don't care if it was a good <laughs> game. It's just miserable. But but a chess game, there's been something like you feel like you've just gone through this adventure with this other opponent that no one else has ever had. No one else has played that exact game before because every chess game is different. And you've just kind of been been through the battle and and sometimes it it really is just fun to to share that with someone and and i don't say that about other types i can't think of another type of competition where i feel quite like that yeah it's that's quite true it's like you really you're creating this experience and like 
like time passes just like at least for me like i, I played like um a couple five hour games a few and then um and like a handful of four hour games and it does not feel like five hours it does not feel like four hours it's just you are just in it and it's like i don't know like i don't know if it's like therapeutic i don't know if it's like but it's just like it i don't know it feels good and like i'm i'm, re- I'm really glad i get to experience Things like that. And when it's interesting, time can sort of fly where it doesn't feel quite as long to you as to the other people. But you could talk to like people who were on our chess club trip to Arizona where we played a tournament in Tucson and they'll tell you about my game. At, it was an eve- around in the evening and it went four and a half hours and it was getting to be whatever it was, 10 p.m. And practically every other game in the hall had finished an hour or so ago. And it was just me and this other guy battling through this end game that I shouldn't have really necessarily been able to win, but did manage to win. And finally, you know, standing up from this four and a half hour battle and hearing from your uh, spectators, how long it was when you didn't realize you kept, you know, you just took up a few hours of their life because they had to stick around. I was the ride back to the hotel. So they had no choice, but to stick around and wait for the game to finish. Yeah. That reminds me of like, um, I think I, I heard this in a podcast from somewhere. I, I forgot exactly who it was. I think it was Kasparov and Karpov. Like after one of their like world championship games, um, they were chatting for a bit. And when like, I forgot which one was, I think it was Kasparov or someone else that also hated Karpov. Um, <laughs> uh, he, he like, he went back and his seconds, which is like, why were you talking to him? You hate that guy. And, and he said, he's the only one that understands me. And I think that's like really like, like reflective what it's like of like this whole like experience that like wow like you really are sharing it with someone and like you said earlier when you visited Hungary it's like it's like beyond words beyond language um, a universal language of some sort um, so that's yeah that's really cool um, another I guess we can like slide back into travel looking at my notes um, you've done a lot of it and. Have you learned anything about traveling in groups or like traveling um, in general? Like, what are the do you have any do's and don'ts? What what is, what do you think? There's any common pitfalls or mistakes people make? Well, I'm, our situation is a little bit unique, but speaking for the the trips that we've done with our club, I think it it it's related to my love of travel in general, even non chess travel. But the destination is important. And so when we went to Hungary, well, that was just who invited us. And I, I wasn't that crazy to go to Hungary. I didn't know much about it at all. And uh, having been there, it was, it was great. And I, I want to go back sometime. But after that, like when, when we picked the tournament in Spain, it was partly because this is going to be great. It's December. It was sunny and 60 degrees and palm trees in the Mediterranean and Spanish <laughs> food. The hotel put on cooking exhibitions like, <laughs> yeah, where you could learn how to make uh, Paella, the the stew they make with seafood and rice, and uh, we got to participate in the cooking demonstrations. And so anyway, all that stuff going on, we, we went to a football game, a soccer game in Barcelona. We got to see FC Barcelona wow. playing a match, and we went to the market downtown Barcelona where they had all these beautiful almonds and oranges and things we didn't always even know what they all were. And like, it wouldn't have been the same if we went to, I, I shouldn't name a specific place or I'll insult it, but... <laughs> some concrete jungle of a place where there wasn't anything to do. Like you just wouldn't have the same experience. And, and so then the next trip after that, we went to the United Kingdom and we stayed in England, visited Scotland, played our tournament in Wales. And every step of the way, it was just great. I'm it's my favorite 
place to visit anyway. I'm a big England fan. Well, you may have a little bit of bias there. Because <laughs> I think it was either Jacob or Austin, when I, or Claire Austin. Um, when it was, I think one of them told me that um, that they found out from that tournament that they were there for too long. Like, like they was like <laughs> they found out the limit. Like, like I know you guys were there for like a month. Well, or, no, or but it weeks? was two weeks. Two weeks, and and that's what I was gonna say. Um, one thing I've learned is to have some time that isn't just the tournament. Like, don't get there the night before the tournament starts and leave the night the tournament ends or something like that, but build in some time for exploring around and looking around. And, uh, and that one probably had the most of that maybe of any of our chips. So, <laughs> so um, it, it could have been, you know, yeah, there, it, any trip I find, if you stay long enough, there usually comes a point where you'd rather be home than one more day of doing this thing that you're doing. And, and they, whoever that was that told you that could have, could have uh, found some of that, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. We also did a fair amount of running around. I remember Anthony saying from that trip, he would do to do it again, do less sightseeing, kind of like running around, checking things off the itinerary and more hanging out and not, you know, trying to see so many sites in such a short time. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. I've done a decent amount of like traveling when I was living um, in Guam, like visiting like different parts of uh, East Asia um, Southeast Asia, and like definitely, that's one of the things I hated the most growing up is when you're like speed running the different like right. um, different landmarks or things, and it's just like you, you're not really like delving into the culture. Yeah, what are we just, doing? <laughs> and, like you're just you're you're running around. You're running mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that's like it can. You can definitely be eager to like see. Like I can like totally visualize a group of people going to Paris and trying to like find all the most like amazing like you know go to the Eiffel Tower and then go visit here the museums there, and, right and, like, right um um so but like on like a micro level like um like how early should you be planning all this stuff like how early should you buy the tickets how early should um like when have like the deadlines deadlines been for um for students to be involved like that type of things right I'm a little wistful talking about this because in just lately, Shippensburg University has decided not to fund trips like this anymore. The so-called conference travel that we would apply for special funding that we every every one of these international trips, we needed that to really make it affordable enough because we would receive some funding so that we kind of wouldn't have to worry about the air tickets and we could just come up with food and lodging expenses and that made it much more more doable. But we, we would plan, you know, starting at, Start at the start of the school year, we'd be planning. And if it was for a December trip, we'd be hurrying to get it planned on time. If it was a May or June trip, we'd still start thinking about it in September, October. You you can't really plan early enough. And, and I learned little tips like um, you really need to have a point early on where a, a money deposit is due to make sure people are really serious about going. Because anyone might say, sure, I'd rather go on the trip than not go. I put my name on the list. But at some point, you can't be buying tickets and finding out that they're not going to really go <laughs> or, you know, registering for the tournament people who aren't going to actually attend. So some kind of a like we've done a hundred dollar deposit a few months ahead just to make sure like, OK, these people are really serious. We can plan with confidence that they're going on the chip and we're buying the right amount of tickets or, or entries for everything. Yeah. Even though we no longer do um, flights to different places anymore, 
we still go to like tournaments and we still use this like tool of deposits. And I'll be honest, like at first I was very like skeptical of this because I'm like, I hate taking money from people. I, I don't like it. I don't like asking for money. I don't like taking money from people. I, and I, and like, like, I don't know. Like my, my philosophy was always been like, okay, I like my, my, my pitch is that like, okay, chess money is really fun. I'd really enjoy you coming. Like, if you want to go, here is this. Like, I try, like, least amount of peer pressure, least amount of, like, like, and, and, and over the summer, like, the way I would get people to come to terms with me, like, I would be like, no, I planned the whole thing. I, 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 I use my credit cards to, like, pay for their entrance fee, pay for the hotel, and pay for everything, and then they pay me when they're there. And, like, and that works when it's, like, one or two people you're bringing with you, but when it's, like, nine people then it's like okay like this is like wow there's a thousand dollars on my credit card like like (laughs) like wow like there's a lot of ifs buts and maybes and like and i just want to know and like so i remember when when initially when we didn't know whether or not the university would still be funding our conference trips i was so into pan ams like i was like i found out immediately like in the summer i think or maybe the spring when it was announced i think it was a summer like early summer I immediately texted you. I immediately texted you. I was like, like, Doc, this is like the, the Pan American Intercollegiate Championship. There's an under 1800 section. We have to go. We Seattle to go. in January. Yes, uh, I remember it. I was like, I, I like this is this is going to be like a really big opportunity because uh, we were going like last spring in um, uh, what you call it uh, March spring 2022. Break. Yeah, it's 2023 now. I got my my dates in order. Um, years in order. Like I, we were we were going to go on a trip. It got canceled, and so I was like very like eager to like to go. Like okay, we're gonna go like travel to this. It's gonna be a really huge collegiate event. Like this, like you don't get this opportunity often. And now for the first time ever, they have an under eighteen hundred section. I was so excited, and when going into uh, the school year, I immediately started talking about it and getting people. And like you were right, like a lot of people who didn't stick with the club. They went for the first few weeks or so, or occasionally popping up. Like they would, they're like, "Oh yeah," like they put, like you want to mention that it sounds really cool and stuff. So like they put the name on the list and stuff. Um, and like definitely a tool like a deposit. If we found out we could go and we would get help with funding, um, a tool like that definitely would have been necessary. Like, like and and even now I'm very much like struggling with like when to enforce deposits and stuff and communicating it well enough so everybody knows because there's that balance of like of like trying to like get the deposit and make sure everyone's registered and good to go as early as possible and then also communicating well enough so that everyone knows so the most amount of people can go because i think we both have like i think i think most people can agree that the more the merrier Right, right. And we try to have like two or three weeks in a row at the club where we say the same thing, like, okay, three weeks, it's the deadline, or two more weeks, anyone want to sign up? And and to miss out on knowing about it, someone would really have to have been absent three weeks in a row. And like, that's one way I know we try to yeah. to get the word out. And you're good with emails and other communications. That... Yeah, I'm, I, I'm sometimes on top of it and very fanatic about it. And like, but I do miss things too sometimes, but I, I try my best. Um, and even now, like, and like, I know, I know, but sometimes still deposits don't come naturally to me, the thought of them, whatever. 
And so I remember like last week, Friday, or maybe like the day or two before our Friday meeting um, on the 17th um, of February, I was just like, oh crap, like we need to like, we need to do deposits and stuff. Cause like, cause I was looking at the list of names. I remember like how I thought of this. I was like, we have 11 names, including me and the other officers, but like, I'm not entirely sure if everyone, if everyone will go, I'm very confident everyone will, but then just the whole planning thing, we have to do their USCF. We have to do their, um, we have to pay for their Pennsylvania state chess federation fee. We have to do the entry fee. Um, and it's like, okay. Like that's when I really started thinking about like, okay, well, I gotta make sure everyone's going. And that's when the tool, the, the deposit comes in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And cause we've early on when we were sort of learning that the hard way, we, we paid the USCF membership and registration fee for someone who then didn't go to the tournament. And it's like, okay, that money is gone. <laughs> so, oh, that happened. And, and we don't want that to happen regularly. So have a, a small, um, whatever it is, hotel deposit or travel deposit in advance. And now we know, okay, they're really going, let's, you know, pay the entry fee and go from there. Yeah. Like for me, I always like the way it, it helps me to like get into it or like get to use it without feeling bad, I guess. I don't think I feel bad, but I just like, like I said, it doesn't come naturally to me. The way I, I kind of like uh, make myself do it and stuff is like I say, like, it's a tool. It's a tool. Like, I'm not like, I'm, I literally am like, I, I don't want to ask people, but like, it's a, it's a very, very good tool to have to, to when organizing events. And uh, that does, that does remind me of like, I remember you talking about different like math conferences you've been to and um, there's definitely something you told me about this like coach meetup over like last winter maybe or maybe over the summer that you were going to like how much experience do you have with organizing or helping to organize big events? Well, yeah, I help, I've helped put on certain math teacher conferences before and some pretty big ones in my West Virginia days, one that got 600 people. Wow. I was was just part of the planning committee. And, and, uh, so there's a certain way conferences happen. Usually there's a hotel involved because they have all the meeting rooms, the breakout rooms for all the smaller events to happen. Chess States is kind of like that. It'll be at a hotel where there are several rooms, usually a huge hall for several hundred of the youngest kids and, uh, where they can make their noise. And then the, the one we play in, the open and collegiate room is usually a smaller, quieter sub subsection and so forth. So anyway, certain things need to happen. I think a tournament, a chess tournament, is usually looking for making it affordable. Uh, where will the hotel rate be pretty low, the food not too expensive around there? And that's great because a lot of schools are coming on a budget and they're making it possible for as many kids to, to play as, as they can. Sometimes a, a math teacher's conference, for example, which is my field, I, I am in the field of math education. People have help from their schools to pay a registration fee. So the organizers don't worry that the registration fee is high <laughs> because they know that it will get paid. It's it's a little bit of a different animal, I'd say, than than organizing a chess event. Yeah. Well, like one, one thing that I'm like trying to get at and like to some extent, just like like you're getting people to do stuff. Is like, like motivating people is like one thing that I'm like always trying to get at and always trying to like improve where like for me, like in chess club, for example, 
some people, I always have a hard time, like different types of people. Like some people will say like, like they will go and they, I, I'll see them. I'll say hi. And like they'll, they'll, the first thing they'll say to me, the only thing they talk to me about is about chess club, even when I don't bring it up. Cause like, that's my identity. I'm the, I'm the president of the chess club. And like, and they say they go, but they won't. Other people, like other people, I like, I, I say like, oh, like, like they really want to go. Like, like I, I'll talk to them and they really want to go. But then, um, but like the moment I ask, I ask them to go, like they will, they, they do go. And there's like some examples I could think of with some, certain people where like, if I more, if I play a more active role in reaching out, they do come and they like continually come and like, they seem to enjoy it to some extent. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're just doing it to please me. <laughs> but, I, but I don't think many people are like seeking that. But then, then other times, like I say, I, I play a more passive role and they do come and like getting people to do things, to go to events, to um, like, I guess that's what I'm like principally concerned with. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts or comments on that. Right. The, the motive is the recruiting question. Right. And I, I tend to not be a big recruiter. I tend to rely more on what do people naturally choose to do. But what if there are people out there who would like to come to a chess club and just don't know about it? It's important to have some advertising and, you know, a little bit of a web presence can help. And I'm, these are not my strong suits or anything, but I know we've had over the years a, a Facebook page that still technically exists and <laughs> yeah. a few things like that that we can do to get the word out. I, I think about at the actual chess club meetings, well, my background back when I was in high school and college, I, I taught swimming lessons. My summer job for a bunch of years was lifeguarding and teaching swimming lessons. And we taught Red Cross swimming lessons. And the Red Cross swimming program, I believe, was founded by this Commodore Longfellow. And I still remember one of the books we had, the Junior Lifesaving book had quotes from the Commodore. And he said about teaching swimming, he said, entertain them hugely while educating them gently. And I think I... I don't actively think about the Commodore that often, but I, I, I think that's sort of my philosophy at Chess Club is if people really are interested in chess and find chess interesting, we'll have fun. Like, we're not there to say, okay, everyone line up. Here is rook and pawn end game practice. You know, it's not a regimented thing. We play and we have fun. And then while we're doing that, sneak in some teachable moments. Okay, that, oh my gosh, there's so much I can say on that. Okay, that is... The one thing I think you are so great at, I think chess players have this reputation of being pretentious. And like when, 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 like, when, like, they'll, they'll talk, like, some of some of us will like talk while, while they, while, you know, their opponents play or like, or afterwards they'll like say different things. And it's less like, I definitely think maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I definitely do think there's like a sense of like, like you don't want to come off as like pretentious or have someone feel like like you're trying to like project that they're that you're better than them or like or anything like that. And then the one thing that I think you are so good at is just like you do not come off like that at all. <laughs> oh, good. Like and, and like I I cannot like begin to to speak about that. Like I speak enough about that. And yeah. and, and we do teach, right? I mean, we we. I, I like to call it a teaching game where I'll sit down with a chess club member and we'll play a game and I'll sort of 
talk to them during our game because there's no better time than right in the moment of the, you know, here's this position on the board and talk about what's on my mind. What am I worried about that they might do? Um, what are some options I'm thinking of for my next move? And I kind of feel like my role is to help them beat me. I, I mean, we talk about the game and I give them tips and hints during the game. And so often I end up losing the game and uh, don't don't tell them that. But often they feel like, wow, I just beat this guy. And really, I kind of like, we just beat me, didn't we? <laughs> and sometimes they just flat out beat me. I mean, I, I miss moves all the time, too. But I think that's a, a good way. If, if someone is really wanting to learn, being coached while they're playing can be a powerful thing. I think that's worked for, for our club. Yeah, and, like, that is, like, such, like, the teacher in you, like, speaking out and stuff. And that's definitely, like, one thing that, like, I, I would definitely like to work on that, too. Because, I mean, like, we're around the same level. And, like, definitely, like, when I when I get there, they, like, some people in the club, I, 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 I always say this, I think they respect me way too much. Like, sometimes they'll get a good position or, like, borderline winning, and I'll still win. Cause, and I think it's because they respect me too much. And, like, I could definitely work work on, I guess, the opposite of being coachable. I guess, coaching. <laughs> like, I, and, like, and, oh, man. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. not everybody wants to be coached, per se. Like, some people come to club, and they play off on their own corner, and I never have met them yet, practically, you know? And other people, if I say, hey, anyone want a game, they'll volunteer because they'll, maybe they get used to the fact that we're going to like talk about tests and really try to learn something during this game. Yeah. That's a good point. Everybody's different. And like, that's another thing of like when I, when I play a game and like, um, if I like after the game, I, I, I used to like always go into like, Oh, I, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, after this, what happened? And like, I think that was a thing. Um, like I would immediately start talking about the game, mm-hmm. but then like now I usually just like, do you want to like talk a bit about the game? I, I definitely like have to ask and like stop like pause for a second and just like like okay and like because people they just want to play um, and then like and they want to play again and like and like there's less of that like like you 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 have to like know your customer I I don't know I I don't know like if that's the right word but but definitely that's that's a big aspect to it yeah and it is fun and ultimately it, it, when you think about oh chess clubs today you have to unless you're the reaction is i want to go because that's fun you know we wouldn't expect people to go back to your recruiting question and you've been really helpful this way but creating an atmosphere where it's just a fun club to be at that keeps people coming back as much as well your emails and your reminders (laughs) yeah um yeah like i don't think i come off as like pushy or anything um but that, that's definitely something I'm, like, conscious of. Like, okay, like, I don't want to, like, I want to, like, I'm trying to, I'm always thinking about how, like, how would this be to someone outside of the club? Like, or how would, like, people perceive me, I guess? Like, how do they? Um, but, like, in terms of, like, recruiting and, like, advertising and stuff, I feel like that's where, like, this is a big avenue now for me to talk about the college, the chess.com college ambassadors. And, like, so I remember when, I don't think I messaged you about it back in the spring or, like, near the fall. I think I, think I might have. I don't know if you remember um, or I'm just misremembering. But I think I, when, when I found the article, I, I think I might have texted it to you and mentioned, like, wow, this could be a big game changer. That you wanted to do that. Like, yeah. like, like, like this chess.com college ambassador program, this could really help 
like grow the club and that's like one thing that they're like very much like concerned with i mean like chess.com and chess they're basically the same thing so growing chess means growing chess.com and so definitely the the motivation is very clearly aligned in this so they've they've done a really um wonderful uh thing giving us merch to give out during uh when we're tabling uh which is cool and then giving us some resources and also like a community of people to talk to that are in a similar position um as us uh and i feel like um like like one of the things that um they've just announced is uh, there is this basketball player, uh, Luka Doncic. Don Doncic. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I've seen him play live. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, that's well, that's a whole other thing. But um, they they partnered with him, and he has an AI on Chess.com, and then they were like, and now like um, the Chess.com College Ambassador Program. They they shipped us all uh, this like a, a big like poster of him or something like that of his AI. Oh, and, we've like, we've got to talk and like <laughs> and like. I, I'm not into basketball, so I don't know much about this at all. And uh, I, I still got to ask Marcelo if uh, Marcelo is our vice president. Um, I still got to ask Marcelo if he uh, if he received it yet. But um, like, so we received like advertising stuff from them sometimes, and and um, it's also like I don't know. I go like on about how like of of like advertising and recruiting and stuff, and I feel like that's one thing where I haven't put that much effort into as well i well well the effort i have been is tabling like i'm like i remember before i was president of the club i signed us up for the uh the admitted students day because like i like because a lot of people just don't know the club exists Mm -hmm. and i think i think most people know the club exists but like definitely at like any like admitted students day at any like um uh club fair like we should always be there that's just like that should be like a given right um and so i i don't know why i went on the tangent about the whole like college ambassador thing but i definitely feel like i'm 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 underutilizing my resources and i'm definitely going to try to be more conscious of it as we go on i guess i don't know and that's something i know you see as club president like we once in a while will have a officers meeting if we think we have to do some big picture planning but What's the right amount of that? I'll interview you now. What's the right amount of that to do? I don't know. Like we could, you you have so many ideas, and some of them we get around to implementing, and some of them I'll forget about unless you remind me again. So there's there's some balance there between not biting off more than we can chew, but getting a few new things done. Yeah, I think. Oh man, there's like two things there. So like one, I don't even think we had we we have had a officer meeting yet. Because I think, well, yeah, it's I, been a while. I think the need for it is kind of like diminished by the fact that I always talk to you <laughs> and I always talk to the officers. And I, I feel like so some of that need has been like, it's not need as much because we're already communicative, but just like not all of us. I actually think that's one thing I'm going to like put in the in the agenda. Just like, oh, man, we got to we got to have an officer meeting and talk about like what we want, goals and plans for this year and next year. Um, and, and secondly, the, another thing you talked about was like, um, ideas. Like, like I have definitely said a lot of like random things. I brought up so many like random concepts to you. <laughs> oh, I can't even keep up with them. Yeah. And like, even like, 
even my first semester freshman self, I would still like have a random idea to tell um, Dylan, our, our former president before me, and you. Just like I just have to like I, I would always say something, um, and I think the idea stage is like so important. Like I think we don't do enough brainstorming in like in in the in our club or in life i i just think i think we don't do enough of it and so i I definitely i definitely think we should come up with as many darts we should throw as many darts as possible um in these in the upcoming months i guess i don't know right there's there's so many things you could do um often in the past there's been like a club president who was the main idea person and we, we've been a fairly small club a lot of the time and not always a lot of other members of the club who have much care or input about what we do, but are happy to go along with what's going on. But uh, we have a bigger group now. And I think the whole chess world can kind of thank the Queen's Gambit for helping launch the, the popularity of chess. And our numbers now are, are so big that our chess club meetings are kind of an organized chaos, right? There'll be, we've had eight, 10 boards going at once, which is more than we ever used to be able to have and with that many people just playing chess it's not as if we're all having one conversation about what should we do next there kind of needs to be sometimes an officers meeting or just a separate place for for that brainstorming you're talking about yeah i think definitely organized chaos is a good way to put it it's very like not very like centralized usually when i need to talk to people i walk around and like individually talk to different groups and and the the the, the one like realization i had um, at one point was like when we when there was like a week or two ago we had like our smallest turnout in a while i was like oh man it's a small meeting and i realized there was still 12 people and yeah and, nice to be able to say and and to to note about like shippensburg university we are we are a small university and like we are one of the bigger clubs if not like one of the probably the biggest that's not like sports related that's or well whether or not chess is a sport or not that's a whole different thing but like definitely like like one that's not like you know basketball or swimming or or like i i feel like we are consistently like very well attended at least you know within the last couple years and like even even when we don't have that many people show up it's still 12 like a, a small meeting is, is 10 or 12 and just a couple short years ago when the pandemic began our club was me and four students on Zoom, and each one had to have, be one of the officer positions because there were four officer positions, and we had only four students. And meeting and uh, you know playing using an online chess website and sharing screen to play a game, and uh, how quickly we've we've moved up, thank goodness, from from numbers like that and, and and a situation like that to actually being over the board playing with over a dozen people there. Yeah.